Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hello there, boys and girls. Welcome back to the week. It is Monday. (laughs) Nothing I can do about that, but we can try to make your Monday a little bit better here with The Ralph Report. So glad you've decided to join us today. We have a hell of a show lined up for you today. Because on the counter, you want to know why? Because it's Munchin' Monday. That means Eddie gets baptized with scallops. Mm -mm. The first time he's going to be a man. Your house smells like a pier. It doesn't. It does. It smells barely of anything. Like a pier. It smells like you live (laughs) under a pier now. That's simply not true. Have you never smelled when someone cooks real fish in a house, how it smells so fishy? You can barely smell anything in this air. When you bake like salmon, you don't really smell fish in the house. Well, I did make some fresh scallops for Eddie Pence. I went out to the store. I got fresh, wild-caught sea scallops. Do you have to catch them or you just pick them? They're not like swimming around where you got to go catch them. I had to catch them. I I put on a scuba suit and I went down and I actually plucked them off the... uh, the ocean floor. But they're myself. stationary. You're not catching them. You're just grabbing them. They're, they live in shells. Yeah, yeah they're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but versus like a farm where they just raise them, you know, in yeah. like a, a pool. These are or wild. Something. These are from picked. the actual ocean itself uh, with all the ocean goodness. You can tell. Like they've been sitting in a sailor's sock for an hour. <laughs> so we're going to chow down on some uh, scallops later on in the show. Also, stopping by today, my pal Brad Meltzer, one of my favorite people on the whole planet, great writer. You know, of course, he writes great books for grownups, but he also has this amazing series for kids called Ordinary People Change the World. And last week, he dropped two new editions. He's done, you know, Rosa Parks and Gandhi and Amelia Earhart. I mean, just they're great books to teach your kids about the heroes that they so desperately need in these times. So he dropped two new ones last week, and I had him on uh, today to talk about it. One is I Am Benjamin Franklin. Oh, cool. Little Philly, yeah, little I, Philly I brother know. We action We all know there. he's from Philly. I don't think you do. Mm. You know, originally he's from Boston, then he moved to Philadelphia. <laughs> That's a lateral move. It's not it's at all. a lateral it's a move. Huge move up. And then secondly, and this was fascinating to me, and I, I talked to him extensively about this, the toughest book he's ever had to write for kids, I Am Anne Frank. Oh, God, it's yeah. It's Anne Frank's story from her own perspective. What's the age group for the books he writes for? Uh, anywhere from 6 to 12. Six, oh, yeah, that, that would be tough. And uh, we talk about how do you approach that subject and how do you make it palatable for kids. Yeah. And, of course, Brad is a genius, so he makes it work. It's If you haven't picked up his books yet, if you got kids, you should get them. And the Anne Frank book, I've read it, and it is just tears at your heartstrings oof, but oof. also it conveys an amazing message of hope and resilience and uh, i can't recommend it enough so brad will be stopping by a little bit later in the show we also have all the entertainment news we got your phone calls we got so much show to get to when we're done here today you're gonna go i am spent you're gonna need a cigarette and a, and a glass of wine after it's today's so show full. we probably shouldn't even eat the scallops 
Oh, it's no. that full of a show. Oh, we're going to we get to the scallops. We should probably skip that. Oh, there will be scallops. Mm. I guarantee. I guarantee. Yeah, we're going to get mm. to that. So let's get right into the show because we have so much to talk about. Before we get to your phone calls, it's time for one of my favorite segments of the show where something in the news sounds so bizarre, so out there. It sounds like science fiction, mm. but it is science fact. Science fiction or science fact. I don't know if you saw it over the weekend or not, Eddie, but uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson put out a, a warning to those of us who live here on the planet Earth mm. about the giant rock that is hurtling towards Earth. Oh, please. A refrigerator-sized space rock is hurtling towards us at more than 25,000 miles per hour, wrote Damn. Neil deGrasse, uh, deGrasse Tyson. He said it will have a brush with Earth. Hmm? What's in that mean? Well, it's, it's coming It's coming to the planet. They're not sure exactly what's going to happen with it yet. <laughs> it may buzz cut Earth, he said, on November 2nd, the day before the presidential election. Please hit. Please hit. Now, he claims it's not big enough to cause any harm. He says if the world ends in 2020, it won't be the fault of the universe. However, NASA <laughs> has confirmed that it is on a trajectory possibly to hit the United States Good. on November 2nd. Nice. Any idea where have they located on the United States? Or It's 6.5 feet in diameter. They say it's only a 1% chance that it will hit somewhere in the United States. <laughs> but let's face it, it is 2020, right? What are the odds? I think oh, yeah. much better than that. The space agency says there are three possible points of impact. Oh, good. But they won't be specific. Oh, yeah. They won't no one incites, you know, localized panic. Just have general panic. Yeah. If he said, if they say, oh, it could hit Los Angeles, then you know, I don't want to know that. No. Yeah, it's probably not. No. Just let it hit. Just let it hit. Hopefully while I'm sleeping. Wherever it is. So um, there oh, you go. Good times. There's your science fiction science fact. Science fiction or science fact. And it's also time for us to check you in with an old friend. The Big murder hornet news, Eddie. Oh, man, I had just forgotten about murder hornets. Over the weekend, the Washington State Department of Agriculture yeah. announced that they had caught a giant female murder hornet. Well, that's and, what they're looking for, right? Yes. Yeah, they were looking for one. They found one. Okay. And they were able to tie a tracking device to her, to her belly, using dental floss. <laughs> Sounds secure. They released her back into the <laughs> wild. <laughs> And about an hour later, the trail went cold and the signal stopped. Oh, they're smart, man. See? She cut that off. Oh, she absolutely cut it off. She buried that transponder. I wonder if she didn't tie it to some other thing. Sneaky bastards. One of the scientists, Sven Eric Spilker, the chief entomologist for Washington State's Department of Agriculture, said, it actually flies a lot faster than we can run. Oh, God. No shit, oh, Sven Eric. It goes through 10-foot-high blackberry hedges. It outflew us, and then we lost the signal. So um, they were planning on following it back to the the, the hive, I guess, yeah. the hornet hive. And so they to, can kill the hive. To eradicate it because these hornets are a serious threat to our honeybees in the United States. Why can't we super glue it to it? Why do we have to tie it with dental floss? You'll be interested to know, Eddie Pence, the first time they caught a female, this yeah. is their second go-around, okay. they super glued oh, they did. The, the, follow, the, uh, the following device to <laughs> the hornet, but the hornet started to get agitated before the glue set. 
and got glue on its wings and then couldn't fly. <sighs> so it defeated the purpose of gluing the uh, transponder. That's why they had to go to plan B, which was the dental floss. Uh, we just need to straight up torture and interrogate this thing. Right. <laughs> Send it to Gitmo. Insect Gitmo. <laughs> So the bad news is we are coming into the winter months, uh, and that's the time of year where these insects burrow underground and mm. spawn more hornets. So they were really hoping to catch and identify the nests before winter because if they go through a whole season where they uh, spawn, then they come back bigger and more than ever. Good Lord. So murder hornets still a big problem here in these well, United States. So if we survive the asteroid, now we have murder hornets. Right. Our food supply will be uh, wrecked because the murder hornets will kill all oh, of the bees. God. So. The murder hornet. The murder hornet. So happy Monday, everybody. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> it's Monday. Yay. Yay. It's a panic-inducing first 10 minutes of the show. Well, it's all going to get better once we start eating some scallops. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Fucking murder hornets. Fuck them, man. God damn it. All right, let's turn our attention to you guys, the Garmy, something to make us feel good. Speaking of the Garmy, real quickly, I want to thank everybody who showed up for Saturday's costume party, yeah. virtual cocktail party. It was a blast. The costumes were amazing. We are still getting photos from people. Yeah, got who, a ton of emails. Who attended. We asked everyone to send in a photo, uh, especially the folks we couldn't get up there on the screen because uh, it was only an hour long, so we could only see yeah. a handful of people. And we wanted the costume contest to be fair. So we're still sorting through your entries. And I think by tomorrow we'll be able to announce a winner. Yeah, I think so. We're going to do a male, a female, and then a couple will also receive uh, a box of... Ralph Report swag. So those are the prizes. Not great prizes, but prizes nonetheless. <laughs> Costumes are great, though. They were amazing. Yeah. Some people went all yeah. out. Ian, I'm looking at you <laughs> as the sexy demon. It's terrifying. Still haunts my nightmares. Yeah. We should have that uh, inter interrogate the murder hornet. <laughs> the murder hornet would stand no chance. <laughs> Tell you everything. The sexy demon. Tell you everything the murder hornet knows. If you want to check out the costumes <laughs> that were on the screen during the virtual cocktail party, you can always go back to that link I sent out and click on it because uh, we save it there and you can watch the replay if you're so inclined. Uh, while again, while we're talking about Garmy members, I would like to reach out and ask a favor of my four stars. I have uh, somehow lost the file of folks that I am owing phone calls to. Oh, I had a great call, by the way, yesterday with a couple in the UK, Becky and Andy, if you're listening. Lovely time. Spent about an hour on the phone with them. We had such a good time. And then I went to see who was up next. And I know I've rescheduled some people <laughs> and stuff, and I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> so if I owe you a call, if we've talked about you here on the show, if we've announced your name, or if I've contacted you and we had to reschedule for another time, you got to reach out to me and uh, reestablish contact because I am a dumbass and I've lost all my contacts. So send me an email, Ralph at the RalphReport.com, and we will get those phone calls underway. Okay. Now, mm. let's talk about the Garmy, shall we? We love it when you reach out to us. There's so many ways you can do it. You can send us an email, like many people are doing with their photos from the cocktail party. Ralph at the RalphReport.com. Eddie and Steve at that same email address. You can reach us on social media. Have you seen the folks who are posting their pictures? The yes. Army? So nice to, yes. to put some faces to the names that I know so well. I think Nico put media. out a tw tweet or something Nico like that. Nico started and, it, and it's yeah. just snowballed. And it's so awesome. great to see your uh, pretty shiny faces out there. Thanks, everybody, who's been doing that. Or you can leave a voicemail message 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The Ralph Report hotline is available to you. You can leave your thoughts, your feelings, your questions, your comments. All you got to do is dial up the phone number 
And that number, as always, is one eight three three. Hi, Ralph. <laughs> I love it when you leave your voicemails. I listen to them all. And then I grab a handful and we put them here at the top of the show in a segment called Garmy on the Line. The telephone is ringing. The Garmy's on the line. Ralph's gonna play your calls now. And see what's on your Hey, guess what happened? What? I realized as I was pulling the calls, the ones that uh, caught my ear. Yeah. Turns out it was all ladies. Oh, you know what that means? Yeah. It's ladies' night. Oh, yes, it's ladies' night. And the feeling's right. Oh, yes, it's ladies' night. Oh, what a night. Oh, what a night. Oh, this is ladies' night. And the Love when the ladies call in. <laughs> Makes me feel like I'm having contact with ladies, which is a good thing for me these days. Uh, Hillary is our first lady. She called in. She was talking about a conversation we had last week when we were listening to Patio Lanterns. <laughs> okay. See? Better. Which some folks there in Canada say is like their ultimate party anthem up there. Yeah. And we were trying to figure out what's the U.S. party anthem? What's the song you hear at every party right. people go ape shit for? And we threw out some names. None of them really seemed... Uh, to, to fit the bill, I think she may have the answer. Hi, Ralph. It's Hillary from West Virginia, and I'm listening to you and Eddie talk about what would America's big sort of like garbage anthem party song be. How are you not saying don't stop believing by journey? Mm. Come on. That's like that. Once you're a white person in America, <laughs> you are born with that song like tattooed inside your brain. Yeah. Love you. Mean it. Bye. She's not wrong. Yeah, that's true. You want to see a bunch of white people get very excited, uh. just be at a party or at a bar <laughs> and have this come on the jukebox. Just a small town. Yes, I love this song. Living in a long <laughs> journey. Oh. She took the midnight train going anywhere. Yeah. She may be right. Yeah, that might be it. You hear that at... Pretty much every party you go to. Used to go, like when I used to do sketch comedy, a lot of the group, the, a lot of people lived at this apartment building on Detroit Street, Detroit Street down here and uh, right over there on the other side of the hill. Yeah, and they'd always have parties every weekend, and they lived in South Detroit, and oh. then they would just play this song at every party, and everyone would scream Detroit. They like, would during the song, and it was because so, they lived on South yeah. Destro Detroit. Yeah, Street. so annoying. Yeah, it's, yeah. I may I may have heard that enough that yeah. song actually. <laughs> Again, regarding Patio Lanterns, the song by uh, Kim Mitchell from uh, yeah. Canada, <laughs> Eddie Pence uh -huh. thought it was Patty O'Lanterns, <laughs> some strange Irish character. And I mocked. I laughed. Right. You did. Turns out uh, you are not alone, Thank sir. you. Hey, Ralph and Eddie. It's Lindsay from Arkansas. I had to call in because I can't hold it in any longer. <laughs> I, like Eddie, am dumb and completely thought that this whole Canadian patio lantern thing was an Irish, like, Jeez. context to something or other. I was just sort of like, all right, patio lanterns it is. So, fucking, it. it's one of those things that's just Stop hanging it. on. I, I don't mean to make it hang on any longer than it needs to, but I did feel compelled to. But you know, I am also as dumb as the vice host at times. Oh, Telling me. Oh, my God. Not dumb. Yo! 
are so dumb. I'm not dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Why would his last name be O'Lanterns? Why not? Some Mich- Irish character, Patty O'Lantern. Michelle took it a, a, a step further, if you, if you could think that's possible. Hi, Ralph and Eddie. This is Michelle. Um, I was just listening to Friday's show, and I loved the Patty O'Lantern's commercial. Uh, I think I'm going to one-up Eddie when I first heard the Patty O'Lantern mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I also thought it was Patty O'Lantern, <laughs> right. but also because we're in October, I imagined it had something to do with like a jack-o'-lantern, oh so God. I imagined like an Irish and Halloween themed thing going on, and I couldn't hear what the thought, what was happening in the song, and I was really confused. And then the next day, you guys cleared it up. It literally took me that second time around to hear you say patio lanterns, oh and that's when I thought I was really dumb. Yeah, um, you're not dumb. So, Eddie, I hope this makes you feel better. I feel like I was worse on the patio lantern mix-up. Love you guys. Mean it. Bye. Michelle thought it was an Irish jack-o'-lantern, a Halloween-Irish <laughs> crossover. St. Patty's Day Halloween crossover. You always see like a like a leprechaun, but the head is a is a ja- is a jack o' lantern. Oh my god! Kind of like the headless horseman. No, sort of thing. nothing like any of that. <laughs> you are so dumb. You are really dumb for real. By the way, if you missed Matt uh, Kreitz commercial he did for the uh, the the lighting store known as Patio Lanterns <laughs> last week, I think it's uh, worth revisiting real quickly. Here's Matt's work. Nice work, Matt. Are you looking for some light in your life? Well, come on down to Patty O'Lantern's Lantern Store, the only Irish-themed lamp store that treats its customers as precious as a four-leaf clover. A lot of people, they say, Patty O'Lantern, you can't sell Patty O'Lanterns at such an affordable price. You just can't. And I say, I leprechaun. So river dance on town to Patty O'Lantern's Lantern Shop. And as Papa O'Lantern always said, may the lanterns on your patio shine like a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Oh, I love that. Horribly racist. I love that. As an Irish-American, I'm going to boycott this show. <laughs> Can't believe it. <laughs> and lastly, you know, every day we try to play a little upbeat music at the start of the show just to get your uh, your mood lifted, put a little uh, spirit inside you. Lorraine called in for her happy hit, and uh, upon hearing her story, you're be- you better believe I'm playing her song. Hi, Ralph. Yoho Edwin. This is Lorraine from Azusa, three star with a happy hit for you. But before I share that, I want to thank you both and the crew for a few things. First, for the many chuckles and chortles you provide me on a daily basis. Ralph, you have guaranteed chuckles and chortles, and by golly, you have delivered. Also, this week, you've been giving many October breast cancer awareness shout outs and booby jokes that have left me laughing so hard because I myself am a survivor. Back in November, I was listening to your emotional podcast revealing your upcoming divorce and your father's health. And later that same day, I got the call that you never want to get. Breast cancer at 42. Since since then, I've gone through surgery and treatment, and I'm doing really well, and your show definitely helped me get through it all. A quick note to the, all the female Garmy members out there, don't skip your mammograms, please. Yes. If you're contemplating photographing them for Ralph, take a quick feel around and do a self-check right? before emailing a picture to Ralph. Right. Why not, right? Why not? Because I had no symptoms and mine was caught early by a basic mammogram. So on that note, I want to say here's my happy hit. It's Devo's That's Good because, you know, there's so many good things to focus on during this shit show that is 2020. LMB. 
Hey, if Lorraine can be upbeat and have a good attitude about 2020, yeah. I think everybody can. Let's we can learn try. from her example. And Lorraine, we're so glad that you're doing well. And I wish you nothing but great health moving forward. Please let us know how you're doing. Meanwhile, here's your happy hit, Devo's That's Good. Devo. No, they're always fun. Absolutely. Lorraine, we love you. Take care of yourself. Everybody, thanks so much for calling in, all you ladies. And if you'd like to be part of this segment, you can, but you got to call me. Had to get that in. <laughs> As we do every Monday, it's time for us to take a look in the rearview mirror and find out what important things happened on this day, October 19th, in history. Ralph's about to solve another mystery. Like it's today the day some dude invented Listerine. Or maybe a tyrant king married his sister queen. Who knows, every day seems to be an anniversary. The Garmy's rubbing Ralph's lamp, so grant our wishes, please. And tell us what went down this day in history. All right, on October 19th in the year 1216, King John of England died at Newark-on-Trent and was automatically seceded by his nine-year-old son, Henry. That's always good when That's, that happens. You, you want a nine-year-old running your country. <laughs> Can't go wrong. 1630 in Boston on this day, the very first general court was held. First trial. Oh, really? In the New World on this day in 1630. That had to be frightening. Oh, my There's goodness. There's no way that was fair. Hey, let you 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 guys you you you're going to jail. There's no question about it. Get out of here. <laughs> 1722, Frenchman C. Hopfer hmm. patented the fire extinguisher. Okay, it's a pretty good invention. Yeah, it's not bad. We have one. How much fire has been going on in hey, right? uh, in the world? Since? I've always had one. I've never had to use it. Um, have you ever had to use a fire extinguisher? Trying to think if I ever had one. I don't think I've, I've never had to use it. No. Always had one, never had to use it. I may have my original fire extinguisher. I, so do I. I think uh, they go bad. Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> you should probably check the date on that. I'll do the same. 
In uh, 1781, the Edit of Toleration was issued. The Edit of edit Toleration okay. by the Holy Roman Emperor Joseph II. The Edict? No, nope. Edit. Edit? It says Edit. That's a weird thing to say. Isn't it Edict? I don't know whether this is a typo oh. or whether it was called the edit. Maybe they, they edited they some. They edited? Maybe some original document was edited by inserting okay. some toleration. Gotcha. Would you like to stop the show? No, I don't want to stop it. Do a little research no. to see if it's You're edict just or reading edit. What's, what's there? I did, it was a cut and paste job. I'm assuming it's edict. It was, it whatever it was. <laughs> That's the thing, right? I'm not being dumb. It's an edict. Edict right? is absolutely a yes. thing, yes. But, so. I've never heard edit. I, I now have to stop the show, and I hope you're happy. I'm always happy to stop the show. That we uh, that the uh, the vice host speed bump is uh, is now making us stop the show. So uh, please hold. Please remain on the line. A representative will assist you shortly. And we're back. And guess what? It's edict of toleration. Thank there you. you go. Thank you very much. Not the edit. Well, now I'm just someone saying, edited this piece of copy poorly. that I found on the internet. I'm intolerant to their editing tools. Yes, um, but I'm just saving you a bunch of emails and phone calls. I appreciate so it. Although I don't know how many ancient Holy Roman scholars would be. Uh, you never know. Writing in, you never know. Uh, you know what they're really going to write in? It just struck me as what? we came back from that short break. What? Uh, I didn't introduce myself or you at the top oh, of the show. Fuck. And I did not. Uh, Should I we did, start the whole show? I did not call on Shizma. And I, that I will. Because well, there's from. an asteroid coming towards the Earth. I wanted to get to that story. I was yeah. eager to get to that story. Yeah. Yeah. But if I don't do it, well, yeah, you're going to hear sh- about should it. Should we do it? Well, I guess we have to. Okay. All right. I'm your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman. And sitting here in the Batcave with me is the vice host himself. Please welcome Eddie Pence. Hey, everybody. Yo, ho, Eddie. It is October 19th. <laughs> Year of our Lord Shizmu 2020. All hell Shizmu. It is right to give him thanks and praise. There we go. Okay. That doesn't stink care of. All right. <laughs> Where were we? A lot of people are hitting delete now in their, <laughs> in their drafts. Uh, the Edict of Toleration was issued on this day in 1781, Eddie Pence. Yeah. Issued by the Holy Roman Emperor Joseph II, providing limited freedom of worship for non-Roman Catholic Christians. Say it again. Limited? Limited. You, they were allowing you to worship God right. a little bit if you weren't a Roman Catholic. Just don't get preachy about it. You, you still ought to be a Christian. Don't get me wrong. The Jews were not even oh, yeah, factored in yeah, at this right. point. Absolutely. But if you were a non-Roman Catholic Christian, they would give you a little bit of leeway with yeah. this new document, oh. which is really sweet well, of, that's them, nice of them. That's nice of them. Yeah. Also in this day, in 1781, British forces... Under General Cornwallis, signed terms of surrender to George Washington mm. in Yorktown on uh, at two p.m. on this day, thus ending the U.S. Revolutionary War. No, oh, that's good. We win, England. <laughs> Suck it. Don't don't you get Steve no, all mad? I know. We're gonna. So we invented the language. <laughs> that's his go-to, isn't it? It is, and he's not wrong. <laughs> 1856. James Kelly and Jack Smith, Eddie Pence, fought the longest bare-knuckle boxing oh. match ever in Melbourne, Australia. How long? Six hours and 15 minutes. Dude, brain damage all around, right? Jack Smith finally gave in after 17 rounds. Yeah. Neither one of them could have teeth after this. No, I can't No teeth, broken noses. That's when they started changing the rules, I think, after that. Inhumane. Uh, In 1901, Edward Elgar 
premiered his brand new piece of music that he composed that I guarantee, I guarantee, I guarantee that you have heard. Yeah. You want to you want to put a wager on this? Okay, uh, it's a song. For, it's a song from I, 1901, an instrumental piece from 1901 that I definitely heard. That you definitely have heard. Okay, I, I don't, premiered I don't, in Liverpool. I don't have any money. I don't really want to bet. Steve Ashton's hometown of Liverpool. <laughs> a little something called "Pomp and Circumstance." Oh, Macho Man's theme song. Of course, that's how you know it. The Macho Man came out too. Yeah. Also play when you graduate. Hey, yeah, but he would when time you, it when you get a degree. So as the music is crescendoing, he—that's when he enters the uh, the arena. It's perfect. But yeah, yeah, I guess you do graduate to it too. Yeah, but do. Macho Man came out to that. To our Canadian friends, on this day in 1911, the Royal Mint in London sent the first dies for the Canadian one dollar coin to mm. the Ottawa branch. So I was a big fan of the two dollar coin up there in Canada. The birth of the loony. Yeah, that was before the toonie. I know, but the toonie's really. I love the big loony. fan of the toonie. Uh, 1914, the U.S. Post's office, mm -hmm. that's hard to say, U.S. Post office, first used an automobile to collect and deliver the mail for the first time on this day in 1914. Oh, horses before? Before that, it was all horse-drawn, yeah. yeah. 1915, U.S. bankers arranged a $500 million loan to the British and the French. Remember when the U.S. used to loan money to other countries? <laughs> yeah. Those were good times. It's hard when you're $3 trillion in debt. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> 1926, John C. Garand... Patented the semi-automatic rifle. Thanks a lot, John. Mm -hmm. See what you've done. Good times. 1932, Austria forbid demonstrations by Nazis and anti-fascists. How'd that work out for you, Austria? Hmm. 1939, speaking of Nazis, Hermann Goerings began plundering through Nazi-occupied territories, just taking all the treasures and art they could yeah. steal. Mm. Just, just That's how they funded their empire, though, exactly. right? Exactly. All from stolen, stolen goods from, from land that they had taken over. 1943, streptomycin. Streptomycin. Was invented. The for first what? antibiotic remedy for tuberculosis. Oh. Isolated by researchers at Rutgers University. Streptomycin still used to this day as an mm. antibiotic. 1944, the U.S. Navy said they would allow black women to join the waves and serve in the, in the Navy. That's so sweet that of them. Really, really nice. nice. 1952, Alain Bombard, the Frenchman departed from the Canary Islands on his trip across the Atlantic Ocean to prove that someone who was shipwrecked could survive. He got into a raft with no provisions. That's dumb. So dumb. So dumb. Uh, on the fourth day of his journey adrift at sea, he ran into a ship. And I'm sorry, my bad. On the fourth day, he tore his sail that he was using, oh, his makeshift sail. That's not good. That was not good. On the 53rd... <laughs> What's he doing with his sail? He's going to tear it. On the 53rd day of his trip... Stupid. He encountered a ship, and the crew told him he was still about 620 miles short of his eventual goal. <laughs> they said, you can come on the boat. We'll take you and there. He said, we'll no. Give you a meal. I said, no. I'm, I got something to prove. Dumbass. So he finally was able to uh, reach Barbados Oof. after 2,700 miles of drifting at sea. He had wow. lost 55 pounds and was briefly hospitalized. <laughs> But he proved that a man who was shipwrecked and adrift at sea could survive. What a fucking dumb thing to do. Super dumb. Nobody wants to have to learn those <laughs> rules and that lesson. 1953, the first jet transcontinental nonstop scheduled service happened. Mm -hmm. 
Also on this day, Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451 was published in the U.S. for the first time. In 1959, The Miracle Worker, the play based on the life of uh, Annie Sullivan, who was the teacher to Helen Keller, Mm -hmm. premiered on Broadway. 1960, the U.S. imposed its famous embargo on Cuba, starting off the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, of course. 1973, Ringo Starr released his smash hit single, Photograph, in the UK. Every time I see your face, it reminds me of the places we used to go. But all I've got is a photograph, and I realize you're not coming back anymore. Good tune. 1975, one of the longest running Broadway shows ever premiered on Broadway. A chorus line. One, two, singular sensation, every little step he takes. 1977, the supersonic Concorde jet landed in New York City for the first time. I'm really bummed I never got to travel on the Concorde. Yeah, I always saw it as a kid because I lived near Dulles Airport. Oh, really? And I would always see it. That was one of its uh, hubs it would fly out of, and I would see it so cool every day. Yeah. Nose pointing down. 1982, automaker John DeLorean was arrested on cocaine charges. Yeah. Good stuff. He was living the life. 1983, U.S. Senate established Martin Luther King Jr. Day as a federal holiday. It only took them about, (laughs) what, 30 years to make that happen? Something like that. 1988, Roxette, the pop duo from Sweden, released the album that would make them international stars. album was everywhere yeah. that year 1999 Cher revived her career by releasing this single which eventually won the grammy award for best dance recording and the billboard song of the year do you believe in life after love i can feel something inside me say i really don't think you're strong enough no If Ecstasy was a song, it would be Belief. <laughs> my dad loved that song. I love that yeah, song. Yeah, my dad loved that. It was... I can't <laughs> get past how much I love that song. <laughs> On this day in 2003, Mother Teresa was finally made a saint by Pope John Paul II. In hmm. 2014, a working human intestine was generated in a laboratory from stem cells in the United States. Weird. They were able to grow an intestine that not only and it worked laid there, but it would like, work. Like a turd came out of it. It would push stuff through it. <laughs> How awesome is that? Why don't we have, why aren't we growing body parts so we can just we need to get to that. move forward with our lives? So I can stop having this fear of having my ear ripped off so I can have a new ear. I'm 
Well, you do. You, you, I'm do, sorry. One more don't time. Don't you have? Pro- you have an actual fear, fear like, of your ear being ripped like a off. ear rip off, or like uh, you lose a finger or a thumb, and he's like, "Okay, I just make it." I want to have the fear of like, "Okay, uh, those are gone forever. I don't want to have that fear anymore." I can see losing a finger because if you're working, you know, a, right. a piece of wood or something, right. you got a saber. But saw. an ear it only takes what a couple pounds of pressure to yank a ear off. Who's pulling on your you ears? You don't know. Walking down the street this, this day and age with crazies everywhere coming by and just grabbing your ear and ripping it off. <laughs> You're right. You don't know. You don't know. Do you hear all the time? Fucking nut jobs out there, man. About ear thieves all the time in the big city. Just saying. You're fucked if that happens. You are weird. Look. A fear of someone ripping your ear off, of all things. My mind wanders, and I can't, I don't control where it goes. You got to get a leash. Ripping your you could just ear really off. run by someone and rip the ear off. Stop saying to. that like it's a thing that could happen or ever it does could. happen. Have you ever, no. ever heard of anyone? Just because I haven't seen it happen doesn't mean it hasn't happened. <laughs> All right. And, just 20, and on this day in 2018, Jamie Lee Curtis broke a bunch of records at the box office. It was the uh, biggest release day for a horror film with a female lead and the biggest debut of any film with a female lead over 55 in the United States. It was the release of the reboot of Halloween. Did you see that uh, reboot? I never did. It was pretty good. I heard it was good. It's pretty stinking good. But it's a direct sequel to the original Halloween, and they yes. sort of scrubbed all the other ones. Yes. Yeah. That music, that theme, by the way, the famous Halloween theme, yeah. also uh, composed by John Carpenter, the uh, director of yeah. that film. There was also an entrance song for a tag team oh, called the Headhunters. For fuck's sake. They were Samoan. <sighs> Glad they weren't the ear hunters. You would have wet yourself. You wouldn't have been able it's, to watch them. It's easier to be an ear hunter than a headhunter. You need tools for headhunting. <sighs> Here, you just need a couple of fingers and some pulls. All right. You know what we do at this point? We find a day in history that has a food component related to it, and then we run it past Eddie Pence to see if it's something that he'd be willing to eat or perhaps stick up his ass, then pull out of his ass. <clears throat> Would you stick a uh, a scallop up your ass and then pull it out? Ooh, maybe. I might leave it up there. <laughs> Depending on the size Depending of the on scallop. the size of it, I may leave it up there and let it come out naturally. All right. On this day in 1951, U.S. President Harry Truman formally ended the U.S.'s state of war with Germany. We didn't end our war with Germany until 1951. That's crazy. That's like we're almost 10 years later, later right? It's kind of smart to hold off and see exactly how everything was going to play out, We still out, have troops I guess. there. Yeah, that's Today true. Is to this day. So. Anyway, the reason I bring up Harry Truman is because his favorite food, Eddie Pence. Yeah. You know, I love presidential foods. You do. He was a man of the people. He was a basic guy. Mm-hmm. His favorite food was something that his wife would make for him. Chicken and dumplings. Chicken and dumplings. The, uh, the most basic, really, of American foods. It is uh, basically kind of a soup that consists of a chicken that has been cooked in water, and then the resulting chicken broth is used to cook the dumplings by boiling. You boil the uh, mixture of flour, shortening, and either water or milk or butterfat or chicken stock, and you roll that dough into a ball, and then you drop it into the uh, chicken broth, and it gets boiled, and then you eat the chicken uh, with the boiled dumplings next to it with that delicious broth poured all over it. Chicken and dumplings. Is that something that, like Harry Truman, Eddie Pence would also enjoy? There's one way to find out. We pull the handle of the patented Eddie Pence jackpot slot machine. That tells us whether Eddie would eat it if we hit a jackpot or if he would pass if those reels are mismatched or mismatched. If Mitch matches them, it doesn't matter. It's about Eddie. Let's pull that handle and find out. 
One chicken, two chicken, three chicken, and a president's chicken chocolate! And a president's chicken chocolate! I mean, what's not to like? Yeah. Chicken and dough balls. That's uh, that's some comfort food it right really there. Is. I could go for that right now. A dumpling guy. Depending on how it's made, yeah, that'll stay with you too. That, oh, yeah. That's filling. It'll stick to your ribs is it, what they used, uh, used to say. Yeah, or your arteries, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. Well, look at that. Once again, we're starting off the week there on an go. up note. One Eddie Pence would, in fact, <laughs> eat chicken and dumplings. Let's see if we can go all week long with Eddie Pence and his we'll adventurous try. palate. We'll try. And that's today's This Day in History. I pity the fool who ain't been schooled by Ralph recently He's dropping college-level knowledge with such accuracy It got my head spinning faster than a drunk Eddie And I'm rocking the back and track with a rap like a bad celebrity I hope Cooperman loves my beats, cause that rhymes with LMB And that's a rap for the Ralph Report today in history Fifteen cents a day, y'all Hey there, it's Ralph Garman here I hope you're enjoying the show And if you are, why not subscribe to the Ralph Report So you can hear it every day, Monday through Friday for just 15 cents a day, you can be a one-star general supporter, and that will get you the show in your ear holes Monday through Friday. Of course, there are two, three, and four-star general levels as well, which gets you more bonus content and more access to me. So if you like what you're hearing, why not subscribe? Go to patreon.com slash the Ralph Report. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the Ralph Report. Subscribe today so you don't miss a thing. All righty, now it's time to take a look at all the entertainment news in a segment I call The Showbiz Beat. Believe it or not, we are still keeping track of box office over the weekend mm. for those few theaters that are yeah. opened up around the country. Liam Neeson's new film, Honest Thief, opened up to $3.7 million in box office this weekend, making it number one wow. at the box office. So funny. I, I never even heard of Honest Thief. I haven't either. It's crazy now because there are no mainstream films going into theaters. They're mostly all independent releases. Yeah. It's like you're watching a TV show where they make up fake names of movies <laughs> because they can't get the rights to use right. actual movies. It's like, Liam Neeson's got a new movie guy called Honest Thief coming out this weekend. It's like something they would say on 30 Rock or something. <laughs> but, look, I mean, the good thing is these the, these movies that never had a chance for a real theatrical release or making any kind of money at a box office are actually getting a chance to do that. Yeah, they're getting a lot of attention. You know, so it's kind of cool. If I see Honest Thief on uh, <laughs> Netflix, I may check it out because, oh, I heard of that. That was number one at the box office hmm. a couple weekends ago. Speaking of movie theaters, on Saturday, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced that movie theaters outside of New York City can reopen at 25% capacity or up to 50 people per screen mm. as of October 23rd. That's what they're looking at now for an open date. Okay. The theater owners aren't thrilled, but it's better than nothing, I guess. <sighs> yeah. Look, New York City is where everybody lives and where all the theaters are. So I'm sure they would rather have those theaters open as well, but they're trying to it's err just on the scary side right of now with flu season coming in. It's just like this is the time for sort of any influenza to really, you know, explode. And they say, but get your flu shots, kids, because they yeah. say the combination of the two is going to be a lot yeah. more deadly than we ever possibly could have thought. So uh, counties are not allowed to open cinemas include Allegheny, Broome, Cotter. Oh, I don't have to go through all the all these, <laughs> but uh, just know that. Although it sounds like a good announcement for theater owners, it's still not ideal no, because... It's not enough to operate. They're all struggling. One movie theater chain has thought up a way to try to do an end around oh. on their struggles. 
AMC, have you seen this? No. AMC is now offering private movie theater rentals. Hmm. Starting at as low as $100. Oh, wow. You get to rent the screen for $100 and invite up to 20 people to sit and watch the movie together. Any the movies that are currently out, or do you get to choose which film you want to play? Here's the thing. The private movie showing program over there at AMC has a list of 34 movies that you can choose from. Wow. Older releases like Jurassic Park and new films like The New Mutants and even Christopher Nolan's Tenant. Um, older movies start at $100, and then the newer movies start at $150 and can go as, as high as uh, $300. That's not bad if, you like, if you're kind of bubble with a certain group of people and you, someone has a birthday or something. That's what I was thinking. That's not a bad idea. If you've got a large family or you have uh, a couple families that you know where everybody's yeah. been, if everybody's safe and tested, you can get to a movie theater and watch a movie. How yeah. exciting would that That'd be? That'd be kind of cool. After all this time. Uh, there's a lot of add-ons. If you want to use a microphone to address everyone, that's another hundred bucks you Just can put yell. on there. Uh, <laughs> if you want to bring your own food, they'll charge you a $250 catering fee. Oof. So there's there, there there's ways they can pad it to try to make it worthwhile. Yeah. But the basic number is uh, $99 or 150 bucks. That's not bad. That's what the That's a good at. idea. You know, if you split it 20 ways, still pricey, but look, you're getting out of the house. Something to right? do that's different than the your day to day. Yeah. Actress Lily James was supposed to be on the Today Show today, and she canceled for an excellent reason. She was supposed to be on the Today Show to promote her new Netflix drama, Rebecca, mm. along her co-star Army Hammer. But she's in a bit of a situation. The British actress, who's 31 years old, has been pictured canoodling with the actor who plays her father in that film, Dominic West. Weird. He's 51 years old, 20 years her senior. And they have been seen uh, kissing on the way back to the UK when they were at a two-day um, trip in Rome while mm -hmm. working on the film. Yeah. They uh, shared a suite, apparently, at the hotel. Okay. Now, the reason this is a, an issue is because uh, Dominic West has been married to his mother of four kids, oh. Catherine Fitzgerald, for many years. And apparently, she, this is how she found out about oh. the situation was by seeing these photos <laughs> in the press. Oh, now it gets even weirder. Oh, that sucks. Because when he got home, the two of them appeared publicly kissing for the cameras. This is him and his wife now. Fitzgerald. Yes. Okay. Dominic West and his wife, Catherine Fitzgerald, kissing for the cameras, handing photographers a card which read, Our marriage is strong and oh. we're still very much together. Oh. So, as you can imagine, Lily James does not want to answer any questions about this, so she is canceling a lot of publicity, Jesus. including the Today Show today. So, man, it gets messy. That is ugly. Look, I look. I know people have affairs and there's messy relationships, and I get it. But don't do it in public. Don't be photographed. Yeah. You know, work it out with your wife. You know, <laughs> get a divorce or whatever you need to do. But show some discretion, especially for when there's things. children involved. Yeah, it's not a good look. Neither is this. Zachary Ty Bryan is the name of an actor who played uh, Tim Allen's oldest son on Home Improvement. Do you remember yeah. that show? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he played, who did he play on He that? was the oldest son. Brad? Was yeah. that the name? Brad Taylor was the name. He's 39 years old. He was arrested late Friday in Eugene, Oregon for strangling his girlfriend. Mm. Now, she didn't die, but he did wrap her hands around her throat during an argument, and uh, they frown on that Yeah, in, in Oregon. Yeah. Well, I think pretty much anywhere, I guess. I they can't would. imagine doing that. I can't either. I mean, I've been angry. 
But I can't imagine. He is a troubled former child star. Yeah. Sort of fits with the with the brand. Oh, Eddie Pence. Yeah. Tomorrow, I don't know what you're going to do. You better stock up on lotion and tissues. I don't know if you saw this or not, but there's going to be a virtual Avengers event online. Oh. A Q&A and trivia game featuring many of the Avengers reuniting for the first time. Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Paul Rudd, Mark Ruffalo, Don Cheadle, and Zoe Saldana will all be on hand for a fundraising event um, that the Russo brothers are hosting. That's tomorrow, and that's 3.45 Pacific Time, 6.45 Eastern Time. It's called Voters Assemble. And they're going to gather together and unite for democracy, hmm. trying to raise money for uh, for this uh, fundraiser. Huh? So, I'm there. I know you would I'm be. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> and Sunday during football, can we talk about football first? Do we have to? Eddie Pence and I are in a world of hurt <laughs> because our teams are awful. Real bad. Real bad. And yesterday... Uh, both games, both of our teams came back in a big way. Yeah. Came within one point in the case of the Washington football yeah. team. Two points in the in uh, the case of my Philadelphia Eagles from victory. Yeah. So it's not bad enough they lose, but they have to get your hopes up thinking that maybe they're going to pull one out, well, and then you get your candle snuffed. Well, Washington literally scores with 30 seconds left, and they're down by one, kick the field goal, go to overtime, or kick the extra point, go to overtime. Right. They decide, Riverboat Ron decides to go for two. He wants to win. win. He played to win the game. And then they, they botch that up, and he uh, lose by a point to an 0-5 yeah. team. Eagles scored a late touchdown, uh, needed that two-point conversion in order to tie up to go into overtime. Yeah. Uh, ran the ball. That was an ugly play. Ran the ball against one of the most vaunted run defenses in the league. It was an ugly play. You've got Carson Wentz, who can zip the ball in there as well as anyone. Yeah. He and the running back sort of held the ball together and tried to co-run it into the end zone. I, don't, I have no fucking idea what with, they were with doing. With Carson Wentz, he run, he can throw the ball on the run bear and anybody in the league. So you, you run him out of the pocket, so he has the option. If he can, run it in. If not, he can throw. Which, by the way, was the play they did earlier in the game, another two-point conversion, which they were successful. Yes, which is they should have done the exact same play. Not to mention two missed field goals, Ooh. two dropped short touchdowns. <laughs> I've never seen the division our teams play in in this much disarray. It's a fucking it's, nightmare. I saw a, on the 538.com, the, uh, the statistics guy who does like the polling and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think the Cowboys are favored to win the division, and their most likely record is five and eleven. Makes, or, yeah, makes, yeah, five makes and perfect 11. sense. That's insane. Makes perfect sense. A five and eleven team winning a division. <sighs> All right, we need to get that out of our uh, <laughs> sorry out of our system. So bad. But the reason I bring up football is because yesterday on Sunday's uh, football game between the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers, yeah. a uh, commercial was teased. Bruce Willis. As John McClane, Die Hard is back. Oh, no. No. Is and, it, no. And when we saw the commercial, did you see the commercial? I didn't see the commercial. No. When we saw the commercial, it turns out it was not what we were hoping oh, for at all. Oh, thank God. But don't you want to see another Die Hard? No. Have you seen, did you see the last two? Die Harder with Viagra, or whatever it's going to be called? <laughs> yeah, they were awful. But it, it's this is almost as bad. It turned out to be a commercial. For the return of diehard batteries, Eddie oh, Pence. See what they did there? I see. So John McClane, he's getting uh, besieged upon by terrorists, and his car won't start. 
And so he has to jump through the window of an auto store right. and buy a diehard battery. That's right. So he can escape. I remember the old commercials where they were in the snow with the diehard batteries. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But this has uh, Bruce Willis mm. parodying himself. <laughs> I hope he made a shit ton of money because it's kind of <laughs> sad. Here's a little bit of the commercial if you didn't see it. <laughs> Welcome to Advance Auto Parts. I need one of those. Is there another way out? Um. Come on. You kidding me? Did you know we have free installation? Yeah. Oh, he has to crawl through the air duct system uh. in the auto store in order to get out. Eddie. Let's mm. see what they did there. Yeah. At least yeah. he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a good man. <laughs> Fuck him right into the ground. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on October 19th. Singer Jeannie C. Riley is 75 years old. No, I wouldn't put you on because it really did. It happened just this way. The day my mama stopped it to the Harper Valley PTA. Actor Michael Gambon from the Harry Potter films is 80 years old today. John Lithgow is 75. I met him once. He could not have been a nicer guy, mm. John Lithgow. Uh, Singer-guitarist Todd Park Moore of Big Head Todd and the Monsters is 55 years old today. John Favreau is 54. South Park co-creator Trey Parker is 51. Chris Kattan, comedian, formerly of Saturday Night Live, of course. He was the funny monkey boy who, ate, right. who ate apples really quickly. <laughs> what the fuck? He's 50 years old today. Singer Patrick Simmons of the Doobie Brothers is 72. Which doobie you be? Oh, black water, keep on rolling. Mississippi moon, won't you keep on shining? Oh, black water, keep on rolling. Mississippi moon, won't you keep on shining? Oh, black water, keep on rolling. Mississippi moon, won't you keep on shining on me? Writer-director Jason Reitman is 43. I can't wait to see that new Ghostbusters. I know. Done, Got, if what, we bumped, ever see it. Bumped to the summer, maybe. Actor Jillian Jacobs from Community is 38. Is it Gillian or Jillian? I always forget. I think, I think she's one of those Jillian? funny ones that pronounces it funny. Can't be Gillian. Couldn't it? it be? Is it? Maybe? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Ciara Renee from Legends of Tomorrow. She played Hawk Girl on that program over there on the CW. She is 30. And singer Zach Barnett of American Authors is 34. <laughs> That's it for today's Celebrity Birthdays. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. Now it's time for my chat with Brad Meltzer, not only a brilliantly talented writer, but just one of the nicest guys I know. He kind of, he always makes me feel bad about myself because he's smart and hopeful and doing things to make the world a better he's place. so prolific, too. He's, he's just constantly turning stuff out. And just constantly kind and... and open and forgiving and loving and just makes me sick the bizarre ralph it is he's my he's my opposite doppelganger if we ever 
touch. It's like a matter-antimatter explosion <laughs> will happen in the universe. Anyway, as I mentioned, he's got two brand new books in his Ordinary People Change the World series. This is for kids so they can learn some uplifting messages and learn the true stories behind some great Americans and hopefully inspire the next generation to be a little better, well, than frankly, we are. I Am Benjamin Franklin is one of the books, and I Am Anne Frank, the two new books that dropped last week. Here I am talking to Brad about both of those. Here he is, Brad Meltzer. One of my favorite human beings in the whole world, Brad Meltzer. How are you, sir? Uh, my brother, it's good to hear your voice. Likewise. Um, as everybody knows, Brad writes great stuff for grown-ups, but it's his stuff that he does for kids that really blows me away. The Ordinary People Change the World series is... Well, you know, if you got a kid, you got to get these books. My kid loved them and loves them. And uh, there's two new ones dropping right now. Came out last week. And I want to talk about both of them. First of all, let's talk about Benjamin Franklin real quick, Brad, because as a Philly kid growing up in Philadelphia, I was fed a uh, hard dose of Ben Franklin lore. You have to know everything about Ben if you grow up in Philly. What was the the take on Ben for you? Because there's so many apocryphal stories about him showing up with a loaf of bread under his arm and and giving it to a, a poor mother and child, and the you know flying the kite and electricity. There's he's such a larger than life character. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's almost hard to find truth anymore about the guy because he's just lionized. But you know, as you know, we started this book series to give my kids better heroes to look up to to give them heroes of compassion and kindness. And, and that thing we've lost today, which is character. We've lost decency. We've lost character. And so Chris Eliopoulos and I did this book series. We, as you know, we started with Amelia, I Am Amelia Earhart. We did I Am Abraham Lincoln and I Am Rosa Parks. But we always look around and say, what do I want for our own kids? And with Ben Franklin, um, there were two things that really struck us. One were the attacks that were seen on the free press. Right. We've seen, we look around over the past couple of years and Ben Franklin stood for that wonderful idea that obviously he was a publisher, but he didn't just publish his own ideas. He published those the other side as well, opposing views from him. And used to think that if you just say and look at one side of the argument, you're not an informed citizen. And the attacks that we see on the free press, what the reason our founders put that in the First Amendment is because they thought it was vital that the free press is there to keep those in power in check. And that's what Benjamin Franklin knew better than anybody. And for me personally, the number one reason I, I wanted to write a book about him was also, as you said, we know the experiments with electricity, but we forget the greatest experiment Ben Franklin really ever did were the experiments he did on himself, trying to make himself a better man. What Poor Rich's Almanac was really about was exactly that, the original self-improvement guru. Mm. And he used to have even rules to live by. He said, number one, be frugal. Don't spend your money that you don't, on things you don't need. Two, you got to tell the truth. Three, you work hard. Four, don't speak badly about other people. And Ralph, look at the world we live in today how quickly we point fingers, those people did this and this one wronged me, and this is this one's fault and that one's fault. Ben Franklin knew if you want to change the world, you don't point fingers, you start with yourself. Mm. And I want my kids, listen, there's plenty of good fights worth picking in the world today, but I also want my kids to know that they need to be accountable as well for their actions. And if they want to change the world, they got to start with themselves. Yeah, we hear his aphorisms, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned, and, and they just... 
you know, you hear them so many times, you start to get blind to the message behind them. But you're right. I mean, the things that he was proposing at the time still hold true in a lot of ways, right? And that's exactly right. I mean, one of my favorite things, listen, I think arguing with, you know, that you got to work hard, tell the truth and and not speak badly about other people. That That is amazing knowledge, right? That is good every day. I need that every day. I need that reminder. Mm. What I also love, though, as a writer, he was arguably at one point in time, the best writer in the entire world. He, when Thomas Jefferson at 33 years old wrote the Declaration of Independence, it was Benjamin Franklin who edited him. <laughs> you know, Thomas Jefferson came in and was like, hey, I got this thing. I wrote the Declaration of Independence. And Ben Franklin's like, I got some notes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me punch and, it up and, a little bit. <laughs> right. right. We, we, and, and Thomas Jefferson writes, we hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable. And it's Benjamin Franklin who changes it to, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Mm. And if I ever, Ralph, I ever complain again about being edited by my editor, I just know Thomas Jefferson even got edited by ben, Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the second book that just dropped. And this is a tough one. You wrote it for kids and it's I Am and Frank. What a daunting premise to have to make digestible for kids, Brad. And listen, we've done I Am Jim Henson. We did I Am uh, Amelia Earhart. We did I Am Marie Curie. I walked into my editor's office and said, I want to do a book about a children's book about the Holocaust. I thought she was going to throw me out of there. But she said to me, thankfully, um, is I think now is the exact right time. And again, we look around and see what we need. Look around right now. Anti-Semitism is at a 40-year high. A recent report on millennials said they didn't know basic facts about the Holocaust. And I don't, our kids are starving for hope today. They need hope. And the only way to do that, I think the best way to do it is give people Anne Frank, the little girl who hid in her attic for two years and yet from the Nazis and yet still thought that people were good at heart. Mm. And I, I want my kids to know that no matter how dark it gets, even in the darkest of places, you can always find the light because that's what hope is, right? It's, it's a light that burns within you. And when you light it, nothing puts it out. And that's what I Am Am Frank as a book is for, is to, is to put a little of that hope back out there today. The work that you and Chris do in that book, I'm getting choked up now because uh, when I look at it, it's, it's devastating. And her story is remarkably hopeful. But at the same time, um, how do I put this? It, it kind of shows me... Man's inhumanity to man, right? We hear that phrase all the time. And how do you go about making that palatable to kids? Listen, it's a fair question. I mean, every time we do the I Am books, the Ordinary People Change the World books, we know one thing, that we are not the experts on this, that there's someone out there who knows far more. So we go find them. When we did um, I Am Martin Luther King Jr., John Lewis was the one who advised us. Mm. When we did I Am Billie Jean King and I Am Jane Goodall, Billie Jean King read her book, Jane Goodall read hers. We, of course, went to the Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C. Um, they introduced us to a wonderful advisor. We went to the M. Frank Center for Mutual Respect and said, how do you teach it to kids? What's the best way to do it? And the secret weapon is certainly Chris Eliopoulos, our amazing artist, whose art style is a little bit like Charlie Brown meets Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. And I know that sounds almost insane for a Holocaust book, but what you have to do 
And the vital part is not just Anne Frank in the attic. She's always that girl in the attic, the group, the Nazi girl, you know, the little girl who, who, who stands up and hides from the Nazis. But the most important pages in I Am Anne Frank are the ones where you just see her when she's a little girl, that she played hide and seek way before the attic, mm. that she loved to play hide and seek and play tag, that she loved to go ice skating. She loved learning the names of different celebrities. So she's not just that girl in the attic, but then she's just like us. Right. And now we'll follow her anywhere. That's where your kids get empathy. And then we tell the story, the story of the, my favorite story in the book is Anne Frank had a window in the attic and this tiny window was her view to the world. And outside the window was a chestnut tree. And that chestnut tree was all she could see. If she went too close to the window, well, then people would see that she was there. Mm. And so she had to hide all the time. And so what she does so amazingly is she watches that tree. In the winter, she watches the leaves come off the tree. In the summer and the spring, she watches those leaves grow back. And over time, what happens is you can see that you know, eventually she dies and they preserve, they try to preserve the tree, which they do for many years, but until 2010, when that tree gets blown down. But here's what happens, Ralph, is that they take the saplings from that tree and they start planting it all over the world. And now there are currently Anne Frank trees blooming all across the globe stronger than ever. And to me, that's what this book is designed to do. It's a kid's book, obviously, but I Am Anne Frank is like a seed. Her mm. story is like a seed. You plant it, you give it to your kids, and she becomes a part of your kids' lives, and they become a part of hers. And I promise you, I know it sounds crazy to say, like, you know, I'm going to teach my kids about the Holocaust, but when you do, you give them a resilience that I promise you they never had before. Yeah. And it's an important story and it needs to be told. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that you took on a difficult task. Some people would say um, inappropriate, you know, for kids, but I think it's absolutely appropriate, never more so than the world we're living in right now. So uh, kudos to you and Chris. Well, and, you know, it's funny. I'm not, trust me, we, we don't know. I mean, I, when the, the, the day the book came out a couple of days ago, the first person that really called me was my sister. My sister has, you know, my niece is six years old. These books for your kids, you know, like whatever, four, five, six, maybe up to 12 years old is usually our readership. And my niece, I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old nephew. And I said, uh, so what do you think? And she's like, I can't believe it. I said, what happened? She goes, we just had an hour-long conversation about the Holocaust. And not in that awkward, weird way. And she wasn't crying. or She's like, it was an actual age-appropriate reaction. And she's, you know, it was almost like, she's like, it worked. And, mm. and it, you know, the nicer, less biased one was the person who wrote on, on my Twitter account the other day and said, Brad, this was the most important book I've ever read with my son. And all of us are so scared, I, I, including myself, you know, scared to talk about race with our kids, scared to talk about the Holocaust with our kids. We're always, and not because it's a scary subject, it's because we don't want to mess it up. Yeah. We want to get it right, right? You want to just do right by your kids. Um, and, and our hope is, is that at our best, that's exactly what we provide you with is that kind of blueprint so that you can have these conversations about these vital issues. Because if you wrap your kid in bubble wrap, I promise you this, you're doing them no favors. And tangentially, we know we talked about writing with Benjamin Franklin. Also, a great lesson that my kid took from the Anne Frank book was to write down your feelings, write down your thoughts, you know, uh, journal and, and um, you know, keep keep make those things real by putting them down on paper. It's, it's a great skill for kids to learn, you know, outside of the, the importance of the story. 
Oh, I love the fact that Ben Franklin, when he makes his rules to live by, he, he realizes he doesn't have enough rules, so he makes even more. And he starts making classifications like I'm going to be neat and I'm going to be generous and I'm going to be kind and, you know, all the different things you can. But you know what he realizes? He can't do them all. No <laughs> one's that perfect. He's like, this is too friggin' hard. So he then says, OK, here's the new rule. I'm going to take one rule every week. Once a week, I'm going to take I'm going to be this is my week for cleanliness. This is my week for humbleness. This is my. But I love the fact he fails. The fact that he fails shows that Benjamin Franklin, you know, when you read Heim Benjamin Franklin, the one thing I hope you take away is he's human. He's obviously incredible, right? He, ha- he has this creative mind. I mean, you know, my son is very creative. He loves Lego and loves coloring. But I was like, let me show him what creativity can do when you unleash it. Because when Ben Franklin's a little boy, and this is when he's a little boy, he realizes that if your hands are bigger, you can swim better. He loves to swim as a little kid. And he realized you can paddle faster in the water. So he makes these kind of oven mitts for his hands and he makes them for his feet, almost like makeshift flippers and breezes through the water. And my kids are like, that's cool. Now Benjamin Franklin is not some, you know, old black and white figure or a guy who you see on, on, on money, but he's, he's a human being. He liked to swim. He liked to go faster. My kids like to swim. Like suddenly you have something in common and this person is not just some figure you worship at the foot of but he's a human being like the rest of us flawed and, uh, you know, makes mistakes and screws up and that's okay. That's what makes us beautiful. Brad, I know you got to run, sir, but I got to tell you the work that you're doing with these books is truly important and it's, it's wonderful. And it's an amazing gift that you're, you're giving our kids. So on behalf of everybody who's read them, and I know a ton of people uh, who listen to this show also have kids who have read your books. Thanks so much for, for what you've done. No. And thank Listen, thank you for letting me spotlight your Philly boy. I mean, I love that people are like, oh, he owns slaves. And I'm like, they're like, he's owned slaves. And I'm like, he did. But you know what he also did? He spent the last years of his life as president of an organization that fought against slavery. And so is he good? Is he bad? Or is he like all of us complicated? So, you know, we, I love the fact that you help celebrate all of those complicated uh, heroes in the world. I am Ben Franklin. I am Anne Frank. You can get them on Amazon or any place else where you buy books. Brad, thanks so much for talking with us, brother. I appreciate it. No, I love talking to you always. You know, uh, you know I'm your fan. Uh, thanks, pal. We'll talk again soon. Can't wait. And now here it is, what you've been waiting for every Monday. We like to introduce Eddie Pence mm. to a, uh, a new food, or sometimes we just have a taste test challenge about foods we've yeah, I like already the nuggets. Had. Yeah, I know. That was a like fun those. day. I gave you nuggets. And you gave me chocolate milk. And I milk. gave you chocolate milk. It's good. So you can pipe down for a while. Because it's days. time for you to be introduced to something new. Mm. I've got them. They're freshly made. <sighs> These are sea scallops. Don't they look good? Don't they look crispy no, and brown and they golden? Don't. Look like little nubs of something. <laughs> you you like nugs? No. Nubs, not oh, nugs. I'm sorry, not nugs. Nubs. nubs. Very picky about. <laughs> Someone <laughs> cut penis shaft and put it on my plate. Okay, that's enough of that. Now mm. it's time for Munch and Monday. Munch and Mondays. It's a fun date, and it's happening. On the Ralph Report Lunch and Mondays Eddie's Fun Day Will he vomit All over the floor I don't eat fungus I don't like it I did, the, the thought of it makes me sick testicles are just all Will he vomit all over the floor today? Mm. There's only one way to find out 
Boys and girls, today's Munchin' Monday, as previously mentioned, scallops, the the jewels of the sea, if you will. Mm. If you are a two, three, and four-star general, of course, you can watch the video of today's Munchin' Monday. So I want to show you to the camera. Look at that. Made with my own two little hands. Fresh. TLC in there. Fresh sea scallops, pan-seared. Pan-seared. What did you sprinkle on them? Uh, there's a little uh, lemon butter on there okay. and a little salt and pepper. That's all. Okay. I kept it real simple all so right. you can get the true flavor of the scallop, mm. which is magical. Uh, before we dig in, easy. Okay. just want to get it over with. Easy. Uh, for you folks who are playing the uh, home version of our game, I wanted to give you a heads up. These are sea scallops. Uh-huh. Um, the, as we mentioned before, there's different kinds of scallops. They have bay scallops and things like that. I like the sea scallops. These are uh, wild caught. Sea scallops, fresh, so they don't smell like a starfish's butthole. They do. They don't. They absolutely do. They don't smell hardly at all. They smell. As compared to like cooking other fish, mm. you can barely smell it. This one moved. Um, it's simple to do if you want to do this at home. What you got to do is you got to get the uh, get them fresh. Then when you get them home, you got to pat them real good. You want to get as much moisture out of them as possible because they will steam otherwise. So you want a, a fairly dry scallop. Pat it real good with a paper towel. Then you just put a little olive oil and butter in a skillet around medium-high heat. Uh, when that stops bubbling and foaming, that's when you put them in. And you kind of leave them alone for about two minutes each side. It's really simple. Put a little salt and pepper on there. And then when you take them out and you put them on a serving platter, then you put a little bit more butter into that same skillet, and you put some uh, fresh lemon juice, a little more salt and pepper, and you have a nice little sauce to so go with. So you have to coat it. it with butter to make it edible. No, you don't. It's just it's a nice little uh, taste treat as well. So there you go. These are our sea scallops. Eddie has never had one. So I am proud and honored to be the first man to deliver this magical taste. I wouldn't even do this for my wife. Into your so you mouth. Well, you're a pro. What can I say? <laughs> and they're bite-sized. These are small, so you could probably put a whole one in your mouth. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Mmm. Oh, it's like rubber. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Um, oh, the texture, that's terrible. Oh, it's like... It's like chewy. It's like crab or um. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's, rub, it's more rubbery than crab. Mmm. Oh, these are... That is really good. These are not good. Really good. That's not bad. Mmm. Yeah. It's like you just ate out a starfish. Oh, come on. This is bad. That is really tasty. This uh, is my first time making scallops, and I got to say, I did a hell of a job. I guess you did. I don't know. Oh, man. If this is what they're supposed to taste like. I guess that's good. This is good. This isn't good. I'm going to finish the third one. I'll eat a second one just because you made them. We each got three. I did all they're mine. They're so rubbery. No, they're not. I don't like it. Mm. No. That is tasty. If it didn't have the butter in it, it'd be completely inedible. That's simply not true. That's simply true. If it did not have the butter on it. The butter's the only thing that gets that down. No, it's a shellfish. You put butter on lobster, right? Actually, I don't. Crab? I don't. I eat the crab meat by itself. I like the crab meat. It's reminiscent of meat to crab meat. It's very similar to crab or lobster, the but taste, it's, it's yes. rubbery. It's more rubbery. It's, it's just chewier. Not. You just have to chew a little bit. No, it's very, it. it's much, it's fishier tasting than crab. What a shock. Did not win any pence over with the scallops. No. Hard to believe, not good. kids. I couldn't, how, mm. 
How many do you eat at one time? Like, what's could, a normal serving? Uh, six, depending on the size. You know, if they're larger, when they have ones, you know, the size of almost a hockey puck. I mean, they got big ones. Why like, would you want something that big? Because it's delicious and nutritious. So chewy. It wasn't that chewy. It's very chewy. It's, it's not it's chewy, chewy like a lobster or a, or I mean, a uh, oyster or a clam or something I like no, that. I've never had that because that's gross too. You've never had an oyster? No. Well, there we go. There's an idea for uh, the next Munch and Monday. Maybe a half a dozen really Stop good oysters. Stop feeding me filters of the ocean. I will shuck them myself. I'll be a shucker. Oh, it's a bad, bad aftertaste. Oh, my God. I don't like it. Sorry, kids. I really thought we were going to have a breakthrough no. today, but this is no way to start off the week. Sadly, that is today's oh, tooth. Munch and Monday. It's just another Munch and Monday. Fun day, maybe something on a fun day. I hope I don't get the runs day. It's just another munch in Monday. God, I can't believe you did not enjoy that. No, Ugh. I'm sorry I didn't buy a pound. Why, so I why could, would you only eat a pound of those? So I could make up some more right now. I muscled down them. two and barely. They're so chewy. They're not. And I'm going to be burping up seawater. See, you're fake news. Now, people are going to think that they're no. chewy and awful because they are of you. Chewy. They're, they're very chewy. They're not you, at all like have, crab meat. You have to chew them, but you have to chew steak too, Eddie. Sometimes you have to actually chew your food. Not everything melts in your mouth like some prepackaged dinosaur. Well, that's good eating. Oh it just, it, it, it's just, it's got a rubbery texture to it. And it smells like fucking, it does. Fucking <laughs> pirate taint. <laughs> Licking the taint of a pirate. Well, what's the pirate look like? I don't know. I'm down there. I'm lonely these days. I can't see. All right, kids. That's it for today's show. We're going to do it all again tomorrow. Why don't you come back? We're going to be here. We could use the company. It is Tuesday tomorrow. That means we'll take a look at a smash hit TV theme song and the TV show that it came from. Also, more entertainment news, uh, more of your phone calls. We have a blast here. But you <laughs> have to take care of yourself if you want to come back and join us, okay? So please, if you can, stay the fuck at home. I want you to wash your hands real good. Stay good in the hood. And separate. Get away from that other person. Stay sweet at six feet. That's right. Put six feet between you and the next living human that you see. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow, boys and girls. Until tomorrow, love you. Mean it. Bye. 